Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome in to another edition of the JMU Sports News Podcast. I am Bennett Conlon, joined by Jack Fitzpatrick. Jack, how are you? I'm doing great. I don't know if you can see, uh, but I got this awesome new shirt. It came a little bit late uh, for the Seattle Seahawks postseason run is over, but it's a Sasquatch wearing a Seahawks jersey. Wow. Where'd you get that from? Uh, NFLshop.com. That's pretty darn cool. You know what else is pretty darn cool? Three-notched beer. Three-notched beer. Three-notched. Cool. <laughs> yeah, those are our friends at Three-notched, Harrisonburg Valley Clubhouse. Check it out. We absolutely adore them. May have to check them out on Saturday. Yeah, we will be in town on Saturday to watch the women's basketball team ball out. And they got stuff happening nearly every day. They got exclusive beers no matter which tap room you're going to, whether it's the Valley Collab House in Harrisonburg. They're, uh, they're awesome brewery over in roanoke we've frequented that well by frequented i mean one time mm-hmm. uh the one in richmond we've checked out charlottesville we've checked out we just need to go to the virginia beach one and we've yeah. checked all of them off the, the list but each one has their own specialty brews and you'll want to check them out and get exclusive merch from each and while you're doing that you can make a little bit of moolah because bet online remains your number one source for all of your sports betting needs this season everything from nfl playoffs to pro and college basketball ufc mma and more i'm gonna let you guys know i already have a countdown going for march madness i can't wait because jmu is winning it all you'll always find the latest odds team matchup info player news and game trends at bet online with live betting options free contests and live scores for almost any sport or game imaginable bet online is truly and I mean this truly, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports leagues and events. Head to betonline.ag today or use your mobile device to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. That's a 50% welcome bonus with promo code BLEAV believe. If you deposit 100 bucks, you get $50 free. You can't beat that. Betonline.ag a g that folks is where the game starts heck yeah yes sir and you know what else started this week i we were we were buzzing before recording this podcast because you know it's not often that bennett and i do a little bit of research ahead of the podcast but it's actually very rare we're normally uh just free balling it and then by the time we end up on a point it's when we start really diving into the numbers while we're live on the podcast. But we did actual research. Bennett, I don't know if you actually got around to uh, writing the article about it. but Not yet. Okay. Are you planning to do that? Hopefully at some point. It could be after another set of games. But I, I'm interested in doing one here in the next 10 days, I would say. Also worth saying, men's basketball went 1-1 one and one over the weekend. We'll talk women's basketball a little bit later. Mm-hmm. But I do want to say... I did the, doing those post-game recaps, and I do want to say that it's not that I just want to be like a really negative Nelly and only focus on the bad things, but nice Frozone text you just said. Yeah, pretty good. Uh, <laughs> too bad it was after I got back. Just the way the schedule worked out, I didn't – like I've, I was only able to do post-game reactions to the three losses, and then when they won, I wasn't able to. Jinx, jinx. And then uh, this weekend, I won't be able to do any reactions. That's good. So they're going 2-0. Yeah, exactly. So – 
They went one and one over the weekend, lost to South Alabama, but beat Georgia Southern. Yeah. What are you bought into this team at all? Like, did the Georgia Southern game give you hope or like, what, what are the, give me your vibe check and then we can go from there. I'm still feeling pretty good about them, which we'll get into with some data, I guess, in a bit. But I also, I mean, there's a six-way tie for first in the Sunbelt men's standings at four and two. Yeah. So there's there's just a hilarious log jam. You've got another three teams, including Jamie, at three and three. Yeah. And then some other squads that have kind of struggled. There's four at two and four, and then Arkansas State's one and five. Thanks for playing. You're done. But, like, everyone else is pretty much still in the mix, and there's a, a good group of teams that have a couple losses already. So they're not out of the hunt by any means. They're in a good spot. I think they'll be fine, even though they've had, I don't know, a couple really bad performances. And despite some really horrible shooting performances, they had a pretty good chance to beat Texas State and South Alabama. The App State game is really their only game, I would say, outside of like North Carolina, that it felt like they didn't have a chance like in the final few minutes. But every other game that they've lost, they've been in. I think the frustrating part, is 12 and seven overall three and three Sun Belt might be the worst record they could possibly have given how they played. Yeah. You, you brought it up and I think I tweeted about it even like two weeks ago. This is one of the unluckiest teams in the entire nation as well. Like they aren't getting the bounces to go their way. They've lost every one possession game. They've lost every overtime game they've had. So you would that as the season goes on, some of those bounces will be going their way, regardless of kind of how, like, if they continue this pace, if they continue playing the way they're playing, eventually things will start bouncing their way. And where they had a double overtime loss to Coppin, or you had an overtime loss to Valpo, or you lost by one to South Alabama, as you go through these last few games of the season, these last two months, those will start turning into wins. In theory, however... There are always unlucky teams every year. And I think some of it, too, is some fans. Um, I think I had tweeted that, and you tweeted it before, too, kind of reply, and they're like, you know, you make your own luck, which I think is true to a certain extent. The Ken Palm luck metric isn't Ken Palm, like, studying film and looking at bounces. It's essentially if you've just gotten, like, you have a horrible record in close games, basically, which JMU does. Like, they played games where they beat Buffalo by 35, where there's no, like, last second free throw or like bounce that could go against you. Like it's a 35 point win. That's pretty clearly a win for like most of that game. You know, you're going to win it. And they've had a lot of those performances. Whereas like Valpo and Coppin state, you get into overtime. It's sort of a toss up in those games where it could have went either way. I mean, they could have won both of those and they have two one point losses to Texas state and South Alabama. You're looking at like, right. Four wins right there. You're 16 and three and, instead of 12 and seven, you're talking about this team, like one of the best mid majors in the country. And I know fans are going to point to it and be like, well, you know, they didn't play well enough down the stretch, which is true. But typically over the course of a season, if you put yourself in close games, there's going to be a level of variance there across college basketball that some of them are going to go your way. It's not necessarily just like a, Hey, you got to step up and be clutch. Sometimes it's like truly just you hit a shot or you don't. Especially in college basketball. Free throws are more of like a cluster than in the NBA or any other sport. So according to Ken Palm, James Madison is the 23rd best team at kind of forcing free throws and getting to the free throw line. But they're 260th 
in free throw percentage. Now, I, I truly do not think they are the 260th team in terms of being able to hit their free throws. They're probably more middle of the pack, mid-100s. So you would think, as this season goes on, I believe it was the Texas State game, you missed 10 free throws. And if you hit two of them, you win that game. If you hit one, it's going to overtime. And I think that'll eventually swing. So I, I get what you're saying, but th- there's just a fatal flaw in this team. And that's the three-point shooting. I think the way they've built themselves is – oh, that's that's nice of you to say. The way they've built <laughs> themselves, I think, is um, maybe a little bit confusing where it feels like they put an absurd amount of pressure on Vado Morse and Noah Friedel, where the two of them kind of have to carry the three-point load. So you've got, like, Molson is shooting – and, and these are stats against D1 teams I have pulled up, but I can look at their their full stats. I'll use their full no, stats. No, do a D1. That's, that's the only thing. You like the D1? All yeah, right, well, well he's shooting. I would prefer you to give me stats against top 350 Ken Palm teams, but I, I know that's a little bit. That, that, that's yeah, it's, you got to take a couple out there. But <laughs> Molson's shooting 31% from three against D1 teams, right? It's obviously not a very efficient clip, uh, but that's like his career mark. He's like a 30% three-point shooter. Like he's not a particularly efficient three-point shooter now he can go off the dribble and like hit really deep threes like he's capable of it he's just not that efficient like there are some other guys in the team where they take him and you can tell they're uncomfortable i don't think he's uncomfortable shooting he just <laughs> doesn't make that that many of his threes he's a little bit better in the fact that he can draw a lot of fouls that was one of the most the backhanded line. compliments about a player well like ability. he can clearly shoot and score it's just he's not like overly efficient like his efficiency numbers aren't going to blow you away but he yeah. has like offensive moves that other players like simply don't have. So, but he's probably best attacking the rim, right? Like that tends to be when he's his best. And then if he has a, a hot shooting day, he's solid. But anyway, Terrence Edwards is a guy who likes to attack more. He shot it really well from three this year, but it, he's one of those guys who's probably not the most comfortable shooting it. Uh, like Sule and Amadi. Amadi doesn't really take them, but like Sule's probably not a guy you want taking threes very often. He'll occasionally go out and take them. Same with Offram, like probably don't want him shooting a lot of threes. Strickland, Ianacho, probably not looking for a ton. And then like Brown can shoot some and make some, but he's, his minutes are kind of hit or miss. So you're not expecting him to go out and like really jack threes. He's shot eight all season and made four of them. So then you're looking and it's like, all right, you've got Morse, Friedel, and Julian Wood. Julian Wood is a pretty good shooter. He's shooting over 50% from the three-point line this year, 47% against D1 teams. He just doesn't shoot that much. So I kind of want to see some more wooden threes, but then Morrison Friedel have shot a ton. Like they've accounted for 51% of JMU's three point makes two players, like, two players. So those two players in the, the best part of that is like Morris has missed like three games. Like conference that is, games. Yes, they've still yes. accounted for 51% of the makes. <laughs> so like those two guys are your three point shooting essentially. Cause also, the rest is, is so sorry sad. to interrupt you. Go but- ahead. It's also funny because the three games Morse missed, Friedel went like three of 25 during those games too. <laughs> right. So it's like without one of those two guys in the lineup is is a big miss, but they really need both those guys in there and then also playing well. So in the losses this year, the team's seven losses, and I think Morse missed one of those, but in the team's seven losses, they've shot a combined 19.8% from the field and 22% from three. In the wins this season, they've shot 45.2% from the field and 43% from three. So you're looking at 
percentage increases of, of over 20%, and they're averaging 27 points a game in the wins and 11.4 points per game in the losses. Like, you don't want to put it on two guys, but, like, Edwards and Molson have played really well in some of these losses. It's that Friedel and Morris have had bad games in the same games when they're literally – I mean, they're not only the only two three-point shooters, but like they, they kind of are. Like when they don't have them making threes, they really don't have three-point shooting because Molson's the guy who shoots the second most, and he's a 30% three-point shooter. And the other guys are all kind of, you know, shooting sparingly. Like you're not going to start feeding Alonzo Sule threes. So it's it's set up where if those two guys are so important to what you're trying to do, which is shoot a decent chunk of threes typically – that if, if one or both, which it has been a lot of times this year, is not hitting, your offense is going to look pretty bad, especially, Jack, if you have turnover issues. I don't know where I wrote this down, but I, I, I did some math and I tried to figure something out because, yes, the issue also is this team is struggling. Like They're struggling from deep, and this last game, don't let it make you think they're doing well because there's still a ton of issues with this team. But when it comes to some, some aspects of it, the fact that they have guys who shouldn't be taking threes consistently taking threes as well, like Sule, like Molson, like Edwards, like these are guys that don't need to be taking threes so early in the shot clock. And that works as a turnover in my mind. This is a possession that's ending in zero points with no second chance. In offensive rebounds, they only had three last game against Georgia Southern. I know they didn't have as many misses. They shot 55% from deep. All of that's really cool. But in games where they're losing, where they're not shooting it well from deep, they continue to shoot it from deep. And I wanted to say there was some point of like 51% of their possessions ended in no points over like that losing streak. I'm trying to find that exact stat. But if you pair everything up with missed threes and turnovers – they were more likely than not coming away with a quick possession that ended in nothing. And my like issue is that they continue having their hell bent on shooting the three with guys that can't shoot the three, but they're guys that can play inside really well. Byington continues to talk about how this team doesn't have an identity. They do have an identity. It's playing inside out. It's getting your three point shooters open looks and it's feeding guys like Amadi. It's feeding guys like Sule and Offerham and letting Molson play in the mid range and Terrence Edward cutting to the basket. Like this team has an identity, but they're hell bent on playing not their identity. I think like at this point, you kind of got to lead into the fact that like you play super fast and you force turnovers, right? So you got to just try to run. And the, the, issue, the issue they found a little bit is that they couldn't control tempo in the half court. When they're in the half court, I think that's one of the big issues is the shot selection where it's like guys who don't necessarily know their half court roles where it's like, okay, probably some of these guys shouldn't be taking a lot of threes and they need to be a little more selective with that. I think some of it too is you'll think like, oh, you can't just stop shooting threes, which is like yes, kind of true. But like no, at, the same, at the same time, they've found a lot of success against these teams inside the arc like if, if they're stopping you then yes you need more floor spacing but if you're not being stopped on those there's no reason to just keep settling for threes when you're able to get to the rim you're able to to draw fouls and shoot free throws i'm still looking for this 
whatever this stat was. Maybe I maybe maybe it's lost in the ether somewhere. Maybe I accidentally deleted the tweet. Maybe I tweeted it from Jamie Sports News. I think you did. <laughs> so, um, sorry. What was your point? I was mindlessly scrolling through Twitter. So, like, let's use the South Alabama loss for example. They shot fifty percent from two, and they shot seventy-two percent from the free throw line. They only turned it over eleven times, but they were three of nineteen from three. Like, there's a pretty strong case there that you don't need to take nineteen threes. Yes. Yeah, the, and so many of those games where they were losing, and and this is what people were saying. This is a team built for layups and threes. I'll agree with that. That is what the analytics say. But there's also a point where you have to lean into what's working in a game. I'm not saying throw out your entire game plan for the rest of the season, but if you're 10 minutes left in the second half and you are shooting 75% from inside three feet, and I believe this was the South Alabama game, you're shooting about 22%, 21% from anything outside of three feet. And you have a large sample. I believe at one point they had missed 15 of 20, something like that, however that math works out. But it was a large enough sample to say they are doing well inside. That's when they staged their, like all of this stuff. Continue doing that. Like it just seems like they're so hesitant and resistance to change where, yeah, you don't need 19 threes. It's working to go inside. Continue to go inside until they stop you. And then we can reevaluate. It seems like this team stops themselves before other teams stop them. And I, I think the thing that's frustrating but also encouraging is the defense is pretty much based on oh. any metric you look at, the best in the Sun Belt. It's really and good. And 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 it's it's a shame because some fans are thinking it's bad. It's not bad. The offense is putting it in bad situations where it's dealt you're playing blackjack, you're dealt a one and a two, and you're just like, Well, I'm shit out of luck. The offense is not giving it up giving it opportunities to play well. Right, like, and I know in the South Alabama game, the other counterpoint for them not shooting a ton of twos is Kevin Samuel on the other side with his five blocks. But it's it's like they forced twenty turnovers against South Alabama. They held them to you know a relatively normal field goal percentage. You do that with twenty turnovers, and you're playing the game. I mean, against a South Alabama team that's simply not that great. Yeah. Like that's a missed opportunity because you take nineteen threes and shoot fifteen percent on them and you look at Morris and Friedel go one of 12 from three, it's like, all right, like we got to find a way to do a little something else there, especially in a game where JMU didn't turn it over a ton. It's just like you can't give games like that away in conference play if you want to win a regular season title, which is kind of, I think, a credit to Byington where the standard is close to, right? Like, hey, they should contend for the, yeah. the Sun Belt title. So when they, they give away some of these games that, that could be wins, it's – it's frustrating, but I do want to do a quick exercise on the three-point line here. Just a okay. fun little test for you here. I'm going to give you a three-point percentage, and right. I want you to let me know if they've won the game. I'll do it against D1 teams. Okay. Okay. I won't I tell you. I, I, okay. You hit me. 15.4%. Lost. That's a loss to App State. Worst shooting percentage of the year. 15.8. Loss. One-point loss to South Alabama. 20 Oh, you sent me this stat. That's a loss. They're they're like undefeated when they shoot greater than twenty percent. It's a little higher, but twenty percent was the overtime loss to Coppin. They took twenty nine threes and shot twenty point seven percent. 
See, that's also my thing. Why are you taking that many threes when they're not falling? Like, and against Coppin, they did everything they wanted inside. Like, it just didn't. That's, make, that's yeah. what I'm saying. Yes. Like, so many of these games, it's like, oh, we're going to continue jacking threes. But when you look at the box score, it's like dunks and layups. They're shooting like 82%. And you're like, ah, yeah, you should probably go inside. It's extremely frustrating. 21%. Win. This one's a win. They played Georgia State. One by 16, 21.4% from three. They turned them over a lot in that game. But it's Great also funny. In that game. It's funny because Georgia State next to JMU turns it over the most in the Sun Belt. And so that was just like a perfect culmination of everything. Yeah. 25.9. Win. North Carolina loss. Oh, okay. Left a lot, a lot out there. Okay, 30.4. Win. This is UVA, so it's a loss, but like oh. – they're in the game. Uh, we got one. They have three games of 33%, or I guess, sorry, two against D1s, where they're 0-2, but it's Texas State by one point and Valpo in overtime. So everything else, everything over 35%, they won this year. And they are, I believe it's 10-3 and three when they shoot over 30% from three. The losses are Valpo in overtime, Texas State by a point, on the road at Virginia by five points. Like any baseline level of shooting, 30% or above from three, and they're in the game at minimum, or they win it. And then you look at like, I don't know, it's insane that you would have, I mean, they have four performances this year where they've shot 21% or worse from three, and in those games they've taken at least 14 threes. That's a lot. Like the App State game, they took 26 threes and they hit four of them. Like I understand buying his thought of like, I'm not going to, not going to rag on my guys. I want him to shoot. I want to be confident, but like in games that you can still win, I think it's okay to be like, you know what? Let's attack a little more tonight. Like we don't have the three point shot tonight. It's also kind of worrying because then they're getting out rebounded, at least out offensive rebounded on a quite consistent basis where if you're at least getting second chance looks, I'm not even right. Look, I'm not even asking for the world here. I'm not asking for converting your second chance points. I'm just asking for you to get like that second chance opportunity, get that offensive board and be able to find a second shot inside. Or maybe you get another look at a, at a three, but they're not even getting that. So when you go four of 26 and let's say you've got five offensive rebounds, you've just missed on 17. That's 17 turnovers. In my mind, that's kind of how I chalk it up. But so this is the tweet I was trying to find. The lineup's not a small ball. The, the, this is a small ball, and this is what we've talked about all. It was off season coming into this year. This is a small ball lineup made to shoot threes that lacks consistent shooting outside of Morrison Friedel. What isn't adding up to me is twenty two percent shooting. And this is before the uh, the Georgia Southern game. So this is after South Alabama. What isn't adding up is the 22% shooting in Sunbelt play from behind the arc versus 51% shooting from inside two and still having a third of all shots come from deep. Lean into what's working. Maybe that's not the best example, but I I feel like it's a pretty strong example. And then not to mention turning it over on 22% of possessions. So if my math is right, which it very well could not be, 55% 55% of possessions are ending in three, a three or a turnover, which is a 22% shot at ending in points. So 55% of possessions essentially convert 21% of the time. 
It's tough. And I think like some of it too, you can't completely abandon it. I think the other thing, and this isn't like a binding thing necessarily, Morrison Friedel, your two best shooters, they can't lay eggs in the same game. Like that's some of that's like, like if you get these two and you're like, Hey, you're our two best players. They kind of got to play like it. Like that's, yeah. that's some of how it is. Like that's just sports. Sometimes it's like, Hey, like they got to play better. If, if Jamie wants to win the Sun Belt, they probably need their two best shooters who are very good shooters to shoot well. So that's, that's my great analysis is like, they're going to need them to hit some more shots. And if they don't, I think, yeah, maybe try to attack the two more because they get to the free throw line. Well, and then like Julian Wooden has a better career three point shooting percentage than Morris. And he's shooting 52% from three this year and very efficiently from two, like, Maybe let the dude shoot. I think in the last game or, or was one of the recent games, he played like 18 minutes and didn't take a shot. How does that make sense? Wooden only has played 37% of minutes this season. And he's been pretty good on both ends. Like He has, a, most, he, he has an numbers. offensive rating of 111, which is really solid. Like South Alabama, he plays 18 minutes, has 10 points and two of four shooting. He went one of one from three. Like... I don't know, maybe give him some run or at least in those 18 minutes, like let the dude chuck a little bit. I, I agree. I also want to see more inside play because you look at the player stats on Ken Palm, the best players on this team in terms of offensive rating are Alonzo Sule, who is the 294th best offensive player in the nation. Sometimes Sule got a little bit of butterfingers under the hoop. Got to work on that. But Sule, great offensive player. Wooden, great offensive player. Mezzi Offram, great offensive player. Justin Amati, great offensive player. Some of it's tough. I think you got to go to Offram more because like Amati's not creating his own shot. Probably no, he's not. But like he's just he's just uber efficient because he's only taking it. He's only dunking it. So like <laughs> his stats look really good. But at the same time, like there were points in the South Alabama game. When he was on the floor and you're like, oh, he's good. Like, he is good at basketball. And especially if, like, once they get a transition opportunity, if they really, really, really go hard at it, which they, I know they are going pretty hard. But, like, those are the spots where those guys, if they're running the floor, they can get some opportunities and, and get some quick baskets. They just got to do anything they can to, to get some stuff, manufacture some stuff when the three-point shooting isn't going. Because the part that's craziest is, like, they've had some – horrendous three-point shooting games yeah that they could have won like there's games where they can shoot 15 percent, go on the road in conference and beat someone which is like embarrassing for some of the other conference teams but like <laughs> if you can do that and pick up those wins it would be massive absolutely massive it's just it's frustrating because 12 and 7 is the worst they could be because they're playing really well and they have a lot of good pieces it's I mean, just like three-point shooting that they're laying an egg on and then there's some turnovers, I understand. But like, there's some there's there the overall performance through 19 games is better than a 12 and 7 record with this schedule. That's fair. But also, like luck aside, you hit three more, you hit four more threes this season. You hit four more shots. You hit three more free throws. You have four more wins. They could be 15 and four, 16 and three pretty easily. So that's why I'm still bullish on that. But that that's what I'm saying though. Like that's a problem. I don't think I don't think it's a long Because you took problem. 26 threes against App State. I just don't like, think it's a, a problem. I think that it's I'm I think it's a coaching problem. About. 
I think this is a coaching problem. I think it's about to turn around in the next like <laughs> the next stretch of the season. I really think it's going to turn around. I think some of it is messaging where Byington talks about like, oh, we're going to figure it out in February, and then he's going to tell him like, oh, we're hitting our groove, and I think they'll like believe it. I don't love some of his messaging that he says to the press at least, but I think they're about to go on a stretch here where they win a lot of games and figure it out. I think based off of sample, there's a stronger chance they lose both of these games against Troy and Southern Miss than they do win them. I don't think they're losing both. And I don't think it I don't think that would even kill them for like their season. It wouldn't, but it would feel like it. I don't think I like I almost don't care about the regular season title at this point. They that like, is they, so wild. They, I know, but they laid their <laughs> their eggs. Like if they get the NIT berth, cool. But essentially, like go gear up to get twenty wins, which they're going to push for, especially when you factor in the conference tournament. That's a little bit of a building block. And go see if you can be good going into the conference tournament, which is, I think, what they're trying to do. And fine, I would like them to win the regular season title. I think they missed a major opportunity to get a couple wins there to put themselves in prime position to get it. But it's like, hey, if they finish second and they're playing well in late February, that's fine by me right now. Over these next eight games, six of them are on the road. If they're four and four through the next eight, that's a win. They'll be I think they'll be better than four and four. I want I want the Kool-Aid you're drinking because there's nothing to go on a run. There's nothing from this team this season. From conference play, that makes oh, me that's know. that's <laughs> that's different. That's very different than this whole season. Well, yeah, you can't use the non-conference schedule. They played LIU, Hampton, Howard, Gallaudet. No, you can't. No, I'm not can't. buying. I'm not buying this. They weren't battle tested stuff. It's a fair take. I'm not buying it <laughs> because like they blew teams out. Like they looked. So, and I know people. How have we? Real quick. How have we flipped positions on this team? 180 degrees over the course of a week of podcasting because you like the because I'm, I'm actually looking at the stats and I understand this team isn't actually that great no because the more I look at the numbers the more excited I get about their season because like there's I find it right. unlikely that Morris and Friedel are going to have the same off nights on the same night like the whole rest of the season okay some of it could be schemed. Some of it, like, oh, they're getting schemed. It's like Valpo sucks on defense. I don't think they schemed anything up, right? Where it's like, oh, Coppin State, the 328th best defense. Like, I think they're just missing wide-open shots sometimes, which, oh, I, I understand. Probably not the best thing to have happen to your team. But, like, Friedel's a great shooter who's Is had – Yeah, he's through all the data. He's going to bounce back. He's going to – like, he was phenomenal – Weren't they both really good against? Yeah, they're both phenomenal against yeah, Georgia Southern. Well, I mean, they shot fifty-five percent from deep, but they don't need to do that. They just need to shoot like thirty something. And I think they're going to have fewer fifteen percent three games. Okay. I don't know. I think they're about to go on a huge run because, like, I would if I had to pick one where it's like best offense in the conference or best defense. I'm picking best defense because I think they have enough offense. That it's gonna like. I don't think they're like the tenth best offense in the Sun Belt like they played. Okay. Like it's gonna come together. That makes sense. Well, it's all going to come together with the three-notched preview for this weekend. They're taking on Troy Southern Miss, both on the road. Troy comes into this one 12-7, and 4-2 in conference. Coached by Scott Cross, they sit atop the Sun Belt standings 
after being pegged as the 10th place team in the preseason poll. They're coming off of an App State loss. They tore through their easy part of the Sun Belt schedule. That's how they're sitting at 4-2. and two. And this is not a good offensive team. 204th in the country in efficiency. They're 132nd in Ken Palm. But their defense is elite. 83rd in the country in defensive efficiency. They play at a slow tempo. It's going to be a big test for JMU again against a top-tier defensive team in the Sun Belt that plays a slow tempo. That's what's been giving them problems to this point. It's when teams try to force their tempo on them. Then the next game, they're taking on Southern Miss, who jumped out to an 11-1 start this season. But since then, they've gone just 4-3, and three, yet they're still tied atop the Sun Belt at 15-4, and 4-2 four, four in conference, and they were picked 13th in the preseason poll. This is a perennial conference USA bottom feeder that's now come to the Sun Belt. Everyone expected them to be a bottom feeder team again, but they've jumped out this year to the 115th Ken Palm rank. They're okay offensively. They're kind of subpar. But again, defensively, this team is top 100 in Kempom. They're 97th in defensive efficiency. They play at a slightly slower tempo, and they have a net rating of 74. So if I'm not mistaken, if JMU wins on the road at Southern Miss, that's a quad one win. However, again, bad offenses, good defenses. It's been JMU's Achilles heel this season. Maybe I'm an idiot, but I think JMU goes 2-0 this weekend. I think they're better than both teams. You look at Troy, Troy fouls quite a bit, which I think is really good for JMU. Drawing a lot of fouls, Troy also struggles to shoot the three. So I think that one will be a little bit of a rock fight with JMU getting to the line a bunch and taking advantage of it. And then you look at Southern Miss, probably a more complete team than Troy, but they struggle kind of a significant amount with getting um, on, the, on the offensive end with turning it over, especially with steals, giving up steals offensively. I think JMU is going to create a bunch of turnovers and have a lot of success against the Southern Miss team that also struggles to shoot the three. So JMU can't shoot like 10% from three like they have at times this year, but I think they knock down some threes, come out of here with two massive road wins. We come on the podcast next week, and you're beaming about the Dukes. All right. I, I hope so. I have a question for you, though. You know yeah. how like when you're watching NFL games and they're like, the team is 5-1 and one when they rush for over 100 yards? Like, it's no correlation to the game. Like, there's so many other factors. It's not because they hit 100 yards they won. However, I want you to give me the number. What's the percentage this team has to hit for it to be a win? You know what I mean? From three? Yeah. Like, what's that percentage looking like? I think 30. I think if they shoot 30% from three, I'm taking them most games. Are you taking them in both of these games? I think you can because I think both teams are kind of offensively challenged where they aren't great three-point shooters either. And the fact that like Troy fouls a ton and doesn't get to the line a lot feels like a good thing. I know you talked about offensive rebounds. Troy does not do a great job on the defensive end in terms of, of you know boxing out and preventing okay. offensive rebounds. So it's one where I think JMU, hopefully to your point earlier, doesn't rely too much on the three against Troy and says, hey, let's draw some fouls. Let's go inside. Let's get some offensive rebounds. If they do that, I think they'll have a good chance. And Southern Miss has a solid team. They played well this year. Uh, but they've also, they're another team that's taken advantage, especially lately, of some some easier games, right? Like they played Marshall and Louisiana on the road. And those are both double-digit losses, including a 22-point loss to Marshall where JMU won by six. I know you can't do the transitive property, but I think JMU at its sort of, offensive middle 
an, an average is going to be better than both these teams. So if they can, you know, not shoot horrendously, I really think they're coming out with two major road wins. So Southern missed this season. Pretty solid team, right? Oh, yeah. 140th in luck. So it just goes to show they probably have a couple wins on there they probably shouldn't have. I think that's the thing that, like, I think fans are getting a little caught up with is the 12 and 7. You look at Southern Miss, they're 15 and 4. I don't think that means that they're better than JMU. And their non conference is very similar to JMU's. They were just able to beat the teams they were supposed to beat. Like, JMU could have walked into conference play with two losses. And probably should have. Yeah. So, well, you know who lost a game that they probably shouldn't have, but it hasn't really derailed their season at all? Man, women's basketball. (laughs) Women's basketball. They are currently on a 13-game winning streak, which, correct me if I'm wrong, the longest in the country outside of the 18-0 teams and yeah, it's the longest win streak in the Coach O era. They did. They added those two extra wins after a home sweep, taking down App State, taking down Georgia State, both in gutted out wins, which this team can win by blowing you out. This team can win by gutting it out. This team is legit. They really are. And uh, both those were without Peyton McDaniel, who's supposed to come back for the Georgia Southern game. I think just a minor injury there, but to win both those in sort of that gritty fashion without McDaniel is really cool. They've just, they've been really good and they still haven't had like a, like a crazy Kiki Jefferson performance. She's been solid, but she hasn't been that efficient. So I think like they're still going to get her going and like, she hasn't been that efficient and she's probably the front runner for conference player of the year, which is pretty incredible. My favorite is that she's averaging 18.2 points per game. And they might be the quietest 18 points I've heard <laughs> right. a player score. Like, consi- I'll watch the games, and all of a sudden they're like, and that's Kiki Jefferson's 22nd point. And you're like, when did she get the 21 others? So many free throws, too, where they just like quietly add up. And it's like, oh, she hit 10 free throws. <laughs> and she's also shooting 80% from the line. Can the men's yep. team get an 80% free throw shooter, please? who can like draw double digit fouls. Like that's such a valuable skill. It's like, Oh, I could attack because of my size, get fouled and then make like them. Like I'm a guard. Yeah. She's very, very good. They've got a couple big ones coming up. We'll be at the Saturday game, which is very exciting. I think Troy based on some of the metrics and the net and whatever, looks like they're the second best team in the conference. You can make an argument for Southern Miss. Jamie already won at Southern Miss. So if you get that one and you beat Troy would be a pretty big deal. They're in a really good spot in the standings. They're playing very well. They're deep. Um, some of it's going to be just staying healthy. But I think this is a team that could, I don't know. I mean, they. it's going to be tough to, like, win out. But I'd be surprised if they had more than, like, two or three conference losses. What's the second-place team in the Sun Belt? What's their record? Uh, you're looking at 5-1, and one, which I believe is shared by Troy and Southern Miss. So Southern Miss won one loss as a home one to JMU. And if, uh, Southern Miss beat Troy. I like okay. Two. I mean, this team's fun. It's it's going to be a fun end of the season. Yeah, they're probably not winning out. They'll probably drop a game they shouldn't drop. But they fixed the issues we had pegged at the beginning of the year. Kiki Jefferson's being Kiki Jefferson. Peyton McDaniel is a dog. And it was huge that they were able to pick up both the wins with her gone. Hazel's really solid. Uh, Jermon's good. 
I mean, you're just going through it, and it's, this team has players. Kozlova has been absolutely insane after starting this season not too hot. She scored in double digits in the last one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven of the last eight games and scored nine last game against Georgia State on four of six shooting. Yeah, I think like with her, her last, whatever it is, how many conference, her last eight games, she shot at least, you go back farther, you can go back like her last, or I guess her last eight games, she shot the ball at least six times every game and she's never shot worse than 57% from the floor. <laughs> is that <laughs> I'll good? take that. <laughs> like so efficient, man. It's just insane what she's doing. And then even like, I think the point you made earlier is by the the biggest point for them all season where it's like, when they're in their roles, it feels like they're able to do so much more. We're like Steph Oderkirk hit, I think she hit four second quarter threes in the win against Georgia State. Yeah. So it was like 12 of her 13 or like all of her points basically came in one really fast burst. But it's a spot where like before it felt like she had to do a little bit more early in the season. And now it's like if you do that, it's kind of a, a bonus. Yeah. And we haven't really seen much out of Kobe King Hawaii. She was pretty solid this last game. Had eight points on three of five. It was one of her. <laughs> so Sorry, pretty... you can you carry it. What were you saying? <laughs> she got she got uh, eight points in fourteen minutes in in the last game. I think she, they kind of played her more just because McDaniel was out. So yeah. interested to see how they kind of factor her in the rest of the season. At the very least, I would expect next year she takes on maybe a bigger role offensively. I think. Some of it is what can you do defensively to get more minutes and things like that. But when she plays, she's got some offensive moves that that are pretty darn cool. And then very cool, right, that we can go most of this podcast and be like, yeah, Claire F hasn't scored double figures since December 11th, and they're playing incredible basketball. Like, she could always go off for, you know, knock, <laughs> knock a couple threes down. <laughs> she She had one, I think it was against App State, where she banked it in. And the look on her that. face was absolutely <laughs> hilarious because it was clearly like, I completely misshot that. That shouldn't <laughs> have gone in. And yet here we are. I just hit a three. Um, but yeah, yeah, you said it. This team, when they're in their role, is really good. Claire Neff is fantastic in her role. She wasn't great in that kind of three option three or even option two at times last season. But as the four, five, six, She's amazing. And she's so gritty on the defensive end yes. that like it's great to watch. She may not jack up five threes, but she has the green light from Coach O and she plays gritty defense. Exactly. I think it's that's like what you, you call a glue guy. Yeah. It's like when you can rebound and defend and that's your role, that's pretty cool when you don't have to worry about scoring. And they have so many scores now that they can kind of kind of do that and it's it's like i think they hit a different level when they have like efficient kiki jefferson where like instead of going four or 12 she goes like eight of 12 and makes all her free throws and she ends up with like 32 i really don't know how you compete with this team if she does that like the way she played against yeah north carolina earlier this year if you have a fully healthy team playing like this like it'd be fun to watch them play north carolina at home tomorrow you know or at the end of the season what's that I said, or at the end of the season, the NCAA tournament. Bracketology have them in the 12 to 13 range. That's awesome. What's Jamie men's basketball? Oh, they're not in bracketology right now. Because they're not the, 
they must be going by net. ESPN had Marshall in there. It's like a 12 or 13. I guess they must have the highest. Or is Southern Miss? I don't know. Maybe they're just projecting. I would say normally they do it based off of who has like who's number one in the conference right now. I guess they're four and two. So I guess they're technically in that, that spot. And they probably have the best. Miss. No, but Southern Miss would have. I thought Southern Miss would be in too. That's what yeah. was confusing me. Two bid Sunbelt. But it's like JMU's numbers are still good. So if they do win the Sunbelt and have a decent finish, like I could see them getting a 13 seed, even if they have like 10 losses. I don't. Well, they already have seven. So they would only need to lose three more. Yeah. I, I, at, their numbers are like the same as Marshall. I think they'd yeah, be except a they're 20 seed. spots worse than Ken Palm. But at the end of the season, if they if they finish on top, I think they'll be. Bennett, you're spot. making excuses for the men's basketball team again. No, I think they're gonna they're gonna win the Sun Belt easily. They're going to get a thirteen, and they're gonna win at least two games in the tournament. And anything less is a failure, colossal failure. All right. Anything else you have to add? Colossal failure? No, I don't think so. I am excited to watch the women's team play. Yeah, very excited for a Saturday full of women's basketball, a weekend full of love. <laughs> <laughs> first i was like like well is there some sort of event at the game yeah. <laughs> no, no, the, the friday event we both will be attending that will be filled with love yes so for bennett conlin my name is jack fitzpatrick this has been the jmu sports news podcast presented by bet online We'll talk to you guys next week after JMU goes either 2-0, 0-2, or 1-1 on this tough Sunbelt road trip. And the women's team, they'll take on Georgia Southern and Troy, both at home. They'll be sitting pretty with a 15-game winning streak next time we talk to you. See ya! Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.